see what we're talking about tonight. Oh, yes. Um, so, uh, one of the oldest questions about uh, the human condition is whether human beings are innately good or bad. Uh, and it's a fruitless question. leads nowhere. Uh, of course, it, uh, it's very vague and... Um, it, you have to define what good and bad is, and then you have to also make gross generalizations about the human mind, uh, which is a very complex thing. However, one thing we can, one generalization that we can say about the human mind with complete confidence and backing of both neuroscience and clinical psychology is that the human mind as uh, the Buddha also indicated, is uh, innately negative. We have what's known uh, as a negativity bias. This is uh, a result of evolution uh, in terms of uh, keeping a species alive. It makes sense for um, the fear mechanisms, mechanisms of the brain to be given precedence over the positive parts of the brain that look at the bright side and see all the resources we've accumulated and feel safe. Um, it's a little bit like the carrot and the stick. If you, uh, if you um, look at what's going to keep a species alive, if you miss the carrot, you miss your food, your sex, your shelter you still will have another day to find something to eat. But if you miss the stick, which is a threat, a rampaging wild boar or something that was going on in the wild where we lived for the bulk of our uh, the species' existence, um, you might not get another day. If we don't keep uh, a person alive long enough to pass on the gene pool to keep the species going, there's not much of a point for that species. So species tend to uh, emphasize threats to keep, uh, to keep us going long enough that we could fuck and reproduce. <laughs> last, last week you liked that. You chortled <laughs> last week and I said fuck and reproduce. This is nothing. How quickly these jokes... It's not even a joke, it's true. But, all right. Um, so, uh, so um, pain can be triggered all throughout the body. There's literally pain receptors, uh, literally, throughout the body. But in terms of pleasure feel-good sensations, there's only a few areas in the body that actually register pleasure. Uh, threats are perceived and uh, extremely quickly. It takes about a tenth of a second for a menacing face to be spotted, and then it takes about another tenth of a second for it to be transferred into lasting long-term memory. So the entire process of seeing somebody that's frightening or a frightening event, and then literally storing it in your amygdala for long-term storage is about 
uh, less than a quarter of a second. On the other hand, to store a positive experience in your life for long-term memory takes about 12 seconds. <laughs> That's 240 times longer, or it's actually 120, to do my math right, 120 times longer. So uh, you really have to pause and stay with a positive experience. It takes about a second to recognize a positive face as opposed to a tenth of a second to recognize a threatening face. Um, the amygdala, which looks for negative experiences, uh, is working from the moment you're born. The positive uh, memories that are stored by the hippocampus really don't start working very well until about two and a half years of age. So, um, in general, I could go on and on, but the human brain is set up really to note threats and keep you alive, and it, it overemphasizes uh, negative experiences. In fact, as, as I've been quoting of late, this study I read where in relationships we need to have five positive experiences for every one negative experience for that relationship to survive. If you have any more than a one to five ratio, you're going to think, ah, fuck it. <laughs> Not worth it. So um, we have a negative bias. On top of that, um, when we have the fight, flight, or freeze activation by what's known as the HPA axis of the brain, it literally takes uh, about 15 minutes if you've triggered cortisol, which is the brain stressor. It takes about 15 minutes for that to be dispersed. So even if you see, oh, I was wrong, that wasn't a bear, that was just a, a burly guy. <laughs> uh, that wasn't a stake, that was a stake on the ground. Those normal things, uh, it takes you about 15 minutes still for the cortisol to, so the blood's still racing, the hairs on the back of the neck, we're not producing white blood cells, we're overproducing red blood cells, the blood is racing to the outer extremities, the digestion shuts down. Uh, all those things that happen during activation are continuing for 15 minutes. And if you don't realize it, but in contemporary culture, we are constantly still triggering ourselves needlessly. The unfriendly look from a coworker, the mistake, the text that we get from somebody where we've just started a date and we don't know what they meant. They said, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> That, that doesn't sound too positive. That doesn't sound positive. I'm so glad I'm old and I escaped. Tinder and, and texting has never been a part of uh, my life. Uh, so, Well, texting has been, but not when it comes to romance. So anyway, uh, uh, so there's so many ways we can trigger ourselves, and each time it takes a while for the cortisol to uh, release. Not so... Positive experiences that are often triggered by dopamine, those can, you can actually have certain kinds of rushes can last very quickly and then disperse much faster than the stressor hormones. So um, 
there's the bias there. And finally, uh, without going too much into uh, details, there's two other factors. The first is that, let's face it, we live in um, uh, 21st century capitalism. It's not particularly an environment that makes people feel secure. It's kind of a cutthroat, survive if you can, no safety net, at least in this country. So we do have this undercurrent of financial fear that can be very triggering. And then on top of it, the mind, due to the right hemisphere, has what's known as motion contagion. Uh, we are all very uh, susceptible to uh, picking up the emotions of people around us. We are pack animals. We, uh, half of the, the frontal lobe of the brain, the right hemisphere, is constantly seeking to regulate its, its, our emotions by making contact with other people. And when the people around us are stressed out, it's in our evolutionary interest to get fucking frightened. Because in the wild, if a bunch of people were like this, it was in your interest to go, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> you know, what the fuck? Have I missed something? I missed something, right? Tell me, I missed something. You know, there's a, a thing about the evening, right? It's behind me, isn't it? Uh, now, but just think about this. Now we have entire workplaces, firms, ad agencies, places that people go to work. And when people are all stressed out there, we still have every bit the degree of the emotion contagion that we've had to keep us alive, even though it's not keeping us alive anymore. It's just people getting stressed out over a deadline or something that in no way will affect their lasting uh, peace of mind, happiness, purpose for existence. But still, people get stressed out of virtually anything, and we are, by virtue of being pack animals with right hemispheres that seek to regulate our emotional uh, state, when we see other people getting nervous and frightened, we become that too. So it's very difficult to keep the mind balanced and to move it from a needlessly triggered, needlessly activated, needlessly negative, uh, anxious, worried state to a state where we feel secure. And the issue is, of course, we are so much more secure than our brains are ever set up to let us recognize. As uh, Steven Pinker, the great uh, neuroscientist, has documented, we live in the safest time of history for the species in terms of we are not only the dominant species on the planet and have pretty much just ruined the globe so that we can have any comfort we want, but... Uh, uh, we literally have gotten rid of all of the, you know, the potential, um, what do you call it, the people who are... Predators. Predators. They're gone. <laughs> We've wiped them out. So, uh, in essence, um, we are needlessly activated. On top of, you know, on top of that, uh, if anything, after, all, after the vast changes that the species have done to the planet, at the very least... Uh, one thing that we could uh, begin to establish some very real change in uh, undoing our harmful patterns is by beginning to reprogram the mind from its state of greed, 
and uh, seeking to consume the world and consume and consume and to look for more and more needless security to have us recognize that we actually live in a time of incredible abundance and most of us actually are going to go, I think most of us are going to go home and have a place to sleep and we're going to eat hopefully and we won't be uh, eaten on the way home <laughs> and uh, uh, attacked uh, by, you know, uh, snakes while we're in sleep. So the amount of activation we have is far, far out of date and keeps us needlessly worried uh, and stressed. So the tools I'm going to be introducing are um, long are ways to inform the mind that we are, in fact, secure and to give us an opportunity not just to build security but to build a sense of joy in our lives so that we don't give in to this programmed tendency to just fall back again on our default programming. Uh, Harvard scientists Killingsworth and Gilbert documented that when we let the mind just go to its natural, what they call default mode setting, the first thoughts we go to are fear and concern and worry. You think of, oh, okay, I got nothing to do spend some time on eBay bidding for something I don't need. I read a, a thing on CNN about a plane they can't find, and now I'm, gonna, uh, I'm going to think about things about myself that I can't possibly know, like what other people think about me. That will stress me out for a good hour. <laughs> and then I'm going to uh, think about how much money I'm going to have in the future and uh, a vaguely shameful vent from my past. And then that's where, that's where, when they did this study, you can look up the study, just type in Harvard, and um, a wandering mind is not a happy mind. That's what the name of the study was. And I, they literally had a, they had a stunning array of people participating, thousands of people, and they had this app that they built for it, and randomly they would ping people and they would ask, okay, are you busy or not? What are you thinking about? How do you feel in terms of baseline happiness? And people who had, were not focused on an activity or a project, who were just allowing their minds to go where they wanted, were invariably stressed out and miserable. <laughs> so that's the brain at work. Um, Unfortunately, because so much of our priming for negativity is unconscious, uh, and in the right hemisphere and in the midbrain, the amygdala, the HPA axis, uh, you, uh, you can't logic or reason with those, these parts of the brain. You can sit and give yourself a pep talk all you like, come on, be happy, but crying out loud. And it's not going to work. Because uh, the, the parts of the brain that create fear bias are not, in fact, uh, capable of understanding language. But what they do understand is experience, and also what they understand is um, uh, um, the body. They read the body, and they look for cues from our body to determine if we're safe or not. So the first way you can make yourself uh, balance towards a sense of security in your life, a, a, a form of peace, is grab hold of that thing, the out-breath, your exhalations, 
and develop a practice of not just in your meditation, but throughout the course of the day when you're doing anything that you've seen to sometimes produce stress, whether it's doing your taxes, getting the forms together, going to have a meeting with uh, somebody you work with, uh, having a difficult conversation with a loved one, any triggering situation, just get in the habit of grabbing hold of the out-breath and making it as long as you can. See if you can feel it moving from the top of the chest down to the abdomen, and just really stretch it out. So that you can't even tell the end of the out-breath from the pause before the next in-breath. What that does is that triggers the vagus nerve, which triggers something called your parasympathetic nervous system, which actually activates the, uh, the, the um, uh, uh, hormones that tamper down your, the, activate, the activated fearful mind. You start releasing really nice feel-good uh, neurotransmitters like serotonin and oxytocin. Really good for you. Cortisol, really bad. Ages the body, stops digestion, makes you susceptible to infections, to diseases, uh, f- completely fucks with your immune system. Oxytocin stops the aging process, uh, produces white blood T cells, uh, really, really good stuff. So get some of that oxytocin, breathe out long. Um, the next thing is find the, get to know your body, what we call body mapping. Um, there's a couple of areas that infants from the earliest age onward when they feel frightened uh, begin to develop a kind of physicality of fear. Um, When infants are abandoned by their parents, they go into what's known as the startle reflex. They sort of begin to bend over and go into a fetal position. And so from that point in life, when we feel abandoned, we feel... Uh, people have not uh, shown up for us, have not uh, been caring, have been rejecting, shaming, not emotionally attuned to us. What happens is we feel it very often in the chest. We feel this constriction, this hollowness in the chest, this feeling of the shoulders uh, contracting. What we're literally doing is going back into the infant startle reflex. It's a, it's a, a residue from childhood. Uh, when we feel not uh, frightened, very often we tighten the stomach because that's actually a defensive posture that infants do when they feel under threat. When we feel busied uh, and, and racing around to keep up and under the gun, very often the shoulders will get tight and activated and start moving up to the, um, to the uh, ears. And, of course, when we feel angry, what happens, or a desire to fight, the, literally the fight reflex comes in and we'll begin to feel the, mus- the muscles of the arms, the jaw, and the forehead begin to tighten. So the more you can read those areas of the body and note when they're activated, and then literally take a moment and see if you can breathe in to these areas that are activated and relax them. So, for instance... Uh, we feel like a friend hasn't returned our phone calls when we've been uh, answering all their phone calls. They're they're very self-centered. They call us up when they're miserable, but when we have an issue going on, uh, they don't answer the phone. No, that's never happened to anybody, right? Okay. So um, just imagine what that would feel like. So what happens is um, 
uh, we'll feel that in the chest. So we take a moment and then we expand the shoulders back and down. We take a nice full deep breath into the chest, fill it up, hold it, and then gently release it. And keep doing that until we can release that activated state and pull out of the startle reflex. If we do that, when we go into conversation with that person, we'll be less disappointed, less defensive, and we also can make it easier for ourselves to drop the story. Um, if we notice the stomach is feeling very tight because we've been caught up in financial fears or whatever, just really imagine that somebody's like released our belt or whatever, our pants a, a notch, and then you can breathe out and relax there. So this is a way we can really tell the mind talk to the activated mind, and tell the unconscious that we're safe. Um, another way that's very important is locate somebody who's giving a friendly face or somebody at least a neutral face that you're around. Uh, if you do that, the right hemisphere of your brain will lock you in and pull the mood back up. The... Um, the right hemisphere of the brain is something called the fusiform gyrus, that while we are looking at somebody and we don't even realize it, we're reading them. We're reading their body language, their facial expression, and we're setting our mood based on what we think their mood is. We literally regulate ourselves based on our relationship with the people we're talking to. So if you can locate and find somebody who is in a positive state of mind towards you, you can deactivate yourself that way. Now, um, finally, I'd like to also talk a little bit about uh, not only establishing security, but also establishing a sense of contentment and bonding in life. Uh, I've actually put together an acronym for you, which is a terrible, terrible thing to do to human beings. Um, first of all, God forbid you should quote an acronym to anybody else, because it's the most asinine thing a human being can do. <laughs> but, well, you know what they say about fear? It means fuck everything and run. <laughs> and you just think, that's really not what fear necessarily means, and plus you sounded like a complete jerk when you said that. So uh, I'm not going to listen to that at all. So, and yeah, because I can, I created an acronym because when I was preparing for this talk, I thought, hey, I'll try to, this is four steps, I'll try to I'll make it into an acronym and that will make it easier to remember. Probably won't. Um, but these are the, f the four steps of embedding positive experiences into the mind so that we can deprogram ourselves from our innate negativity bias, our worrying default status to a more positive view of the world. Um, and feel free to ignore that if that's not, a, ignore this if you don't <laughs> particularly want a positive view of the world. I like, uh, I've just bought my whole goth outfit. <laughs> and you're telling me this shit, I don't want to, I don't want to be happy, fuck you. <laughs> Okay, but if you're if you're interested in balancing out a little bit, uh, so one spot, spot an enriching experience. We tend to to look for threats, but we can let a lot of experiences that are potentially beautiful uh, 
uh, you know, a beautiful scene we're walking by, uh, a, a, you know, a chance to uh, look at some piece of art on the street that's wonderful, a new building that's gone up and the bat of an eye, uh, blink of an eye, what a bat of an eye, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a, a boat on the river, I, I'm terrible at coming up with these things, uh, but you get the idea, some experience that could be positive and uh, beneficial, spot it, just remind ourselves just to, it's worthwhile to put the effort into spotting a potentially uh, uh, positive experience. The second is to enrich the experience by bringing awareness of everything you feel while you're observing it. So if you're looking at a sunset or you're with a friend that you really care about or you're looking at uh, an image that's meaningful to you or whatever it is, feel the breath, feel the body, feel... All, hear all the sensations that are going on, there's a trick in neuroscience that the more neurons you fire during an experience, the more likely you are to remember it. Um, another trick is the more you engage the emotional mind, that will also help you remember it. So appreciate the beauty of the moment, which means just think a thought that will make you become emotional about the experience. Like, wow, this is, you know, you can even be corny about it. Wow, this might be the last time I see such a beautiful thing or whatever. It, anything that will develop an emotional response will make it more likely to uh, embed a positive experience. And then the last part of the equation <laughs> is linger. Is linger on the experience which means hold it in your mind for 12 seconds because, as I said at the beginning, it takes 12 seconds to store a positive memory. It only takes a quarter of a second to store a negative memory. So if we want to be able to look back on life and be able to have positive memories, we have to linger on them. Now, all of the things I've just described for building up a sense of joy also works with building up a sense of belonging. The acronym is SEAL, spot, enrich, mean bring the, uh, the, all the uh, sensations that are going on. Uh, A means appreciate, have awareness of the emotions or add emotions, and then linger. All those four things we can do just by holding an image of somebody we love and care about in our mind. Um, there's a study that shows every time we hold in our mind for over 10 seconds the image of somebody that we really care about, what begins to happen is we begin to trigger GABA, which is a thing that tampers down um, fear, excitability, nervousness, worry in the frontal lobe. And we can even, if we hold these images longer, we can even begin to wire accents to the uh, midbrain and begin to detrigger ourselves even in the midbrain. So holding an image of somebody that we care about actually does wonders in rewiring the brain. So, to uh, conclude tonight's talk with the three minutes I have, let's just close our eyes for a moment. And what I'd like you to do is bring to mind either 
the image of, a, of somebody that you care about, that you believe cares about you, or the image of a situation in life where you feel really happy and at peace. So it might be something along the lines of a, a hammock in your favorite spot, Or it could be uh, sitting by a river or on the beach in the summer. So whether it's a, the image of a person or an event, I would be spotting, in this case where we're remembering, but we're just bringing up to attention something that will help us rewire our negativity towards the positive. And then, as you hold this image in your mind, see if you can feel a sense of the body relaxing or the breath, the out-breath being extended. See if you can develop those sensations if they're not present. If you can feel the sensations of contact and continue to hold the image in your mind of the person or the place but just feel yourself relaxing into that hammock or relaxing into that conversation with that friend feel the shoulders softening the belly releasing and continue to hold the person or the place And then let's develop an emotional appreciation, knowing that life is impermanent, that there's no guarantees, and that we may never be able to see that friend in the same state of health that we're in or they're in, or the same happiness or the same level of uh, the same relationship that it's worth cherishing the moments in life that are positive, beneficial, healing. And so really develop an emotional sense of appreciation. And now just hold the experience in the mind for another few seconds, holding the image, holding the sensations of the body, holding the emotional tenor and mood of the feeling, the ease that might develop in the mind. And then gently letting it go and opening your eyes. So I thank you for listening. I hope tonight's talk was of some interest and benefit. And now,